the scary thing about Jeremiah is that he goes along with my wild ideas, one of which was holy Hulu. <laughs> um, and then when he actually committed to the idea in like the, the brain dump of like 30 minutes of me being like, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this. And then he commits to it, I'm like, oh, that means I have to write about it. That seems very complex and difficult. Um, and the good part about Holy Hulu, uh, who got to watch Only Murders in the Building this week. <laughs> See? Okay. It's, who's seen it before, maybe? Okay. I'll, I can't promise I'm not going to spoil it, but it's still such a good show, you should just go watch it. Um, but I promise somehow by the end of this 20 to 30 minutes, we're going to get back to scripture. Just bear with me as I set up this really complex show. <laughs> um, so this morning, we're going to be in Mark 2 um, after we kind of set up what's happening in Only Mergers in the Building. And we're in this series, Holy Hulu, because we think there's a reason why we consume so much content. And it's not a bad thing that we consume content. And actually, content can be really good for us. It can help us process things. Art can give us words for things we don't have words for. So what we're trying to figure out is what does Only Mergers in the Building give us words for? What is the thing that it's making visible that... That is, that is like largely going on in our culture around like true crime obsession. Why are we so obsessed <laughs> with true crime? I know I am. Um, I was actually like in thinking about the sermon brought back to a childhood memory, um, a really sweet memory. I think I was probably seven or eight, although it probably happened for years. So it can't just be pinpointed to one year, but Basically, the nightly rhythm in my childhood home was my mom was a teacher. She worked really long hours. She added on all the extras. So she would do the after-school programs, all those things. She would come home so tired, tired of talking to kids, tired of feeding kids, you know. Um, and I was a kid, and I would want her attention. And so her consolation was inviting me into her bedroom to sit in the adult room and watch Law & Order SVU. Dun-dun, <laughs> dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, right? Um, and so it was our nightly ritual. We'd get popcorn, we'd take our showers, we'd snuggle in together, and we'd watch Law & Order until we fell asleep. Um, and the funny part to me is, why do we watch this really violent show before we go to bed? And why is that calming? Um, so our obsessions with crime shows isn't new, right? I'm, I'm later 20s, early 30s almost, and this has been going on for a while even before that. And so what is it that causes a staggering 62 million Americans to listen to true crime podcasts every year? What is it that captivates us? We just can't look away from the horror that's going on around us in the world because it's true crime. And what does it have to do with only murders in the building, this comedic satire on true crime until the crime enters the true crime, <laughs> the kind of inner waves? So during the pandemic, this is a pandemic show that came out as a passion project between Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez, right? So it's just a fun cast of characters. And the setting is something we mostly know as New Yorkers, a large building with full of many tenants who don't really know each other but have lots of grievances with each other. Like the one person down the hallway who just plays their music too loud at 10.02 p.m. every night. And, you know, there's just lots of things going on in this. It's a very delicate balance being held together. We are individually experiencing a world in disorder. And this is what's happening in the show, throughout, throughout the show. They're experiencing brokenness around each other that they're simultaneously trying to cover up and also solve. Um, 
they're experiencing uh, a lack of community and isolation as each of them is pretty much annoyed with their neighbors, but they also don't have deep community. Like as the show folds on, you see like Martin's character, Oliver is separated from his family due to things that we don't really know yet as the show is unfolding. And so he's estranged from his wife and his family. He's dealing with this dream that is kind of going away, but he wants to bring it back. And so he gets that fix by being a part of this podcast they could make about the murder that just happened in their building. And so they come together and he's like, I could direct again, I could get money again. You know, he's like thinking he can revive something. Um, and we don't know Mabel's motivations at first, but we actually find out that she knew Tim, the guy who was killed in the murder. I didn't say that. Tim is the one who dies, the guy in the elevator. Uh, it's the first episode, you're fine. <laughs> you can still watch it. Um, and so Tim dies, but she hides her connection to him. And so we kind of see that as like a third eye of the audience. Why is Mabel hiding this connection? And so what we can see from the show is that they're all coming together. They're finding community around a fixed um, common line. And they're trying to order something that they just can't figure out. They're trying to solve this crime. And as the show folds on, we realize that the crime gets closer and closer to involving each of them. It touches on people in their families or storylines that they know, from the dips that Martin Short's character eats every night from the Greek deli, um, to the guy who's sponsoring his show ending up being a prime suspect in the murder, the dip guy. There's all these things that happen when the crime comes close. And so True Crime TV invites us to participate in putting the world in order, but it also reveals that crimes can come close to us. Finding out who the killer is doesn't ultimately heal them either in the end. They still have the problems that they started the show with. It didn't change the pain they were in. It doesn't change the lack of validation um, that they feel in their current families and friend groups, and it doesn't make them any safer. And so actually at the end of the first season, a new murder happens and they go back into this fixation, which I'm not ruining because it's the first scene of the first episode. I'm like really passionate about not ruining shows here. <laughs> because um, it's, it's really fun to watch. But the question that we have today, the thing that Jeremiah put forward last week was what does art make visible? And so what do true crime shows show us about ourselves? What it shows us is that it, we can't solve it from the outside, that there's something going on inside us that we need to understand. And that something is something that Jesus did understand. So we're gonna turn to Mark 2. And we're gonna look at an inside to outside restoration. Because as the show pulls forward, you see it go from outside of them to inside their very worlds. So you read this for us. It's on page 786. So we're going to start uh, in chapter 2, and we're going to go to the end of verse 12. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. They made an opening, and they let down the man on the bed which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. 
Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to the scribes, why do you question these things in your hearts? What is easier for me to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven or rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose, immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. And so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we've never seen anything like this. So I want you to put on your best true crime lenses. And let's think about these four men who encounter this paralytic as the crime. They see this man who's hurting and they want to understand what's happening and they can't look away. So much so that they come together to form this group that brings him to a home where they know this man is who's been healing people. They break the roof, vandalism. There's lots of vandalism and only murders in the building. (laughs) Secret passageways, things like that. They lower him in front of Jesus and they have faith that there's something about this man, Jesus, that can heal this man on the mat. And in the end, the entire crowd goes away glorifying God. We've never seen anything like this. And it's interesting to see that it says they are amazed and glorify God, when in the beginning we see them refer to him as Jesus. It's this moment where the scribes, the people, the paralytic, and the friends, the four different groups that we see, are made aware of just how much Jesus is proclaiming about himself. He's not just a man who does amazing healings. He's actually God on earth. And he cares so much that he comes into the middle of the story and begins to heal. There's also this piece that we can zoom in on when we talk about the way that we have to be reordered from the inside out. Jesus doesn't speak to the physical condition that we see. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. Why is it that he must go from the inside out and it has a physical effect on this man? What is there that God knows about that we don't understand? And even it confuses the scribes. They speak in their heart and Jesus does some mind reading and says, I know the things you're thinking in your hearts. What's easier for me to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise, take up your bed and walk. And this is where we understand from the passage what Jesus is trying to reveal about himself to these people. So that you would know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic. Rise, pick up your bed and go home. Jesus enters the story where there's no hope. A paralytic man in this time would not be allowed into temple. He would not be allowed to receive um, all the different rites of forgiveness and all of these different things of worship and being brought in. He sits on his mat. He begs for everything, for his food, for his well-being, for attention, for community. He's very isolated. And these four men whom we don't know his connection to them, maybe they just invited themselves into the story, pick him up and take him to the feet of Jesus who can order his world. And even they are blown away about what's happening because they realize they didn't just take him to the feet of a healer, they took him to the feet of God. And so in this one moment, both his inside and outside worlds are changed forever. The man who has been outside of the temple for years has now been brought into the physical presence of God by being laid at his feet. And the physical presence of God has come near to the people and they've missed it until Jesus hears and does the mind reading. And when the mind reading happens of what the scribes are saying, Jesus brings home the point. 
I have on earth, authority on earth to forgive sins, but I'm saying to you, pick up your mat and go home. There's an internal healing that leads to an outer restoration. And so when we think about the show and this passage, the three things that we were trying to sort of nail in together was that there is an individually experienced um, world in disorder. Each of us associates with the world in a disordered way. That we long to see the world reordered. There's a silent desperation for community, as you see Martin and Steve and Selena. I keep throwing their names back and forth between the actors and the characters. But as you see them try to find things with each other that they don't have outside of that. And then there's this way that True Crime TV invites us to participate in putting the world in order that is enticing to us. But the invitation that I want you guys to see today, what the invitation from Jesus, is that these are all right motivations, but actually there's a gospel presentation of this. We are wired to see the brokenness so that we can participate in the healing of the world around us. We're wired to see it. We're not meant to look away because we're meant to help reorder. And Jesus invites these men to not look away from this paralytic. He invites them to go out of their way, to break into a house, to go against cultural narratives of what it might mean to ruin somebody's house in a shame honor culture. <laughs> anyone, would anyone destroy Jean and David's door? <laughs> I wouldn't, I would be terrified, right? Um, but they did this because they were so moved by the, even the potential of healing that this guy would offer. And instead, they actually encounter the God of the universe in flesh in their neighborhood. Where is God inviting you in your neighborhood? Who is God inviting you to see in your neighborhood? Who have you been tempted to look away because it's just so much to bear? And how may God be inviting you to bring them to his feet that they may also experience son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. I wonder what mats they need to lay down that only by invitation they could lay them down. And they'll go away worshiping God. Um, I don't understand the mystery of God's power and what he does, but I know he does it. Um, I'm a campus minister part-time, and before I moved to Georgia, um, I was on a college campus, UGA, go dogs. Sorry, sorry, Kelsey. She went to my rival school. <laughs> um, and part of my work was reading scripture with students and helping them unpack what God was doing in it and apply it to their lives, which is similar to preaching. Um, and the reason I'm bringing this story up is I remember this particular sorority woman, she was a junior, and somehow we stumbled into each other, maybe at an activities fair, and she was like, huh, I'd be interested to read scripture. I've never read it before. You're gonna tell me how to read it? Sure, let's read it together. So we're reading this passage, and what I want her to see, <laughs> me going in with my own motives, is that God cares about her and that he wants to invite her into bringing her sisters to God's feet. But I was skipping something. God wanted to forgive her first. God wanted to free her first. He doesn't go around us to reorder the world. He goes through us. So there's really two invitations this morning, and I'll finish her story in a second. One of the invitations is, how are you trying to um, circumvent God's gift of grace and forgiveness in your life to give God to others when really you need to receive forgiveness? So how are you trying to circumvent God's forgiveness for you and do good things when really you need to receive 
from God forgiveness. The other thing is, um, how is God inviting you to be the one who doesn't look away in your neighborhood? Who are the unseen? Who are the least of these? Um, And maybe who's even your neighbor, right? And how is God inviting you to bring them to his feet? And we can talk about the practicalities of this. So if this is something that's pricking your heart and you're like, this is, this is a great concept, Ariana. I love the way it hits, but I just don't know how to work it out. We can talk about that. So definitely come up to me afterwards. But how is God inviting you to set aside the potential true crime obsession to become obsessed with his gift of grace for the world? Um, when I sat with her and actually let her experience Jesus in the scripture, um, she goes, I know what I'm supposed to do. And I was like, oh, okay. And she goes, I'm supposed to stop smoking weed. And I was like, I don't see that in the passage. Um, But great. And she goes, no, it's my mat. It's what keeps me away from community. I do that because I don't know what else to do. I'm dealing with all this pain and all these things. And if I could just have healing from this pain, I wouldn't just need to do that all the time until I'm incapacitated. It's my mat. And Jesus is telling me, pick up your mat and go home. And I was like, oh, wow, that does sound like Jesus, right? Um, So maybe this week you just need to spend a few extra minutes in this passage and ask the Lord, what is my mat? What, What hinders me from joining you in your mission of reordering the world? Or what do I need to stop looking away from? Um, the truth is that <laughs> we hate getting advice from people who don't know what it's like to be us, right? <laughs> but Jesus knows us. And Jesus knows what it's like to experience every single human emotion. God in his divine wisdom came to earth, and put on human flesh, and lived our lives. And if you think about the cross for a minute, something that I don't love to think about because it's painful, he was poked without permission. He was prodded. He experienced deep, deep pain. But he also rose on the third day. And in his resurrection, we have life. We have the gift of life. And that life doesn't start when we die and raise again, as we believe, but that life starts now. We actually believe that God initiated something in these healings that he was doing that we can continue today and step in line with. And so if you haven't heard that before, um, the kingdom of heaven is now. It's around us. It's in City Chapel. Um, It's on the streets of New York. It's in your building. So where do you need to not look away? And where do you need to receive God's grace this morning? I'm going to give us some time. Alex, will you just play some nice music and let us reflect on those two questions, and then I'll pray for us. What brokenness is Jesus inviting you to not look away from, whether in yourself or in others? And how is God inviting you to receive his grace this morning? to journal it too.
Jesus, we long to be a part of your exciting um, creative plan for redemption. We long to reorder the pain and brokenness we see around us. Um, And sometimes it's way too big. We are frozen, um, we're stuck, we're afraid, or we just run. Um, Or we put together other things in hopes that it will be enough. But Lord, you are the healer. And one encounter with you can lead to such transformation that an entire village can go away singing your praise. So Lord, this morning I ask that you would heal us, that you wouldn't go around us. Lord, would you say to each and every one of us in this room this morning, pick up your mat and walk. And Lord, would you um, bring us together and unify us in the way that we see those around us? Would we be unashamed of doing whatever it takes to bring our neighbors, our friends, our family, our coworkers uh, to a place where they can meet you? Where they can be amazed at the grace they've never been given anywhere else? And Lord, would we be the first to offer grace to ourselves and to others? when things don't go the way we think they should. In Jesus' name, amen. And so the story is still being written. The story isn't over for you or for me. It's a process. Um, sanctification, we like to call it. Um, and when I was telling you earlier that me and my mom loved to sit together and watch Law & Order SVU because she was so busy and tired from being with the kids, um, that did something to me. I, I felt left out. I felt like she didn't want to hear me talk or hear my voice or I wasn't smart. Um, there was real pain there. Um, and actually, I found a friendship in God. That's, that's actually my story. <laughs> so I haven't thought about it in a while, but I turned to Jesus to be the one who listens to me. Um, and he gave me a loud voice and um, a gift of being able to talk about him with others because I deeply experienced being with him when I felt rejected. Um, She's a great mom, but we all make mistakes. (laughs) So I'm grateful for you guys for listening, for taking in this scripture. Um, And I invite Jules to come and do the 